All right, thanks, Scott Shannon, and thanks to all of you. You make this show possible. Write down our toll-free number. It's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. I'm tempted. I, it just would take too much time, but I'm just tempted. It's a great piece by Victor David Hansen. One of the few people actually, at a, I don't even, is he even with NRO anymore? I don't know. I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure where uh, James printed this out from. He writes this comment, how much rune do we have left? And if you're feeling like I'm feeling, I am, if, you, if I had a meter about how worried I am about our country, the future of our country, the country we're going to leave our kids and grandkids, at some point in your life, you know, you, you, you get a little bit less selfish and you begin to realize, uh, number one, you become more appreciative of your gifts in life and that we're blessed to live in the greatest country. I believe that God, our creator, ever gave man. I really believe that. We're, we're a nation built on natural law. What, Linda? I didn't hear you. Um, oh, it is in our Okay. It is or isn't? I didn't hear you. It is. Thank you. And we, we have natural law. That, that, that rights come from God. That's why we believe as conservatives in limited government. That governments don't give us, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Not equal results. Freedom. Freedom, what does that mean to live free? To, to pursue your God-given talents. Why do I always quote the Latin derivative for education, educare? Because to bring forth from within... Well, that's predicated on the notion that God put in every human soul, talent, and ability. That's why losing any life is such a tragedy. It's why life is precious. It's a gift. And we'll never understand the mysteries of universes within universes within universes. It's fun to contemplate them. But we're not designed to understand that at this point in our journey. Maybe in the next side. On the other side, we'll we'll learn it. Um, and... It's it's there's there's so much to what he's saying here, and he points out all the things that that a nation needs for prosperity and freedom, and and stability and political stability, and the need for for the basics: financial order, security, a secure currency, a strong military, a strong educational system, which we don't have, which is so fundamental, so basic. You know, it's like taking a ladder to success and ripping out every rung on the ladder if a kid starts out life without a good education. And, and that's the, the unholy alliance with Democrats and the teachers unions. We have we have not serving our our children with their natural gifts the way they need to be served. If you don't have law and order and safety and security, how the hell are you going to pursue happiness? You can barely walk outside your house. All of this energy, the, the lifeblood of the world's economy, we reached energy independence. We're giving it up beyond stupid. You know, we did something we hadn't accomplished in 75 years. And there are certain fundamental traditions that we have and, and systems that we've built. Now, some, some have not been built perfectly, but what our framers and founders provided a way to correct wrongs, right wrongs, and correct injustices. And we have proven historically that we do that. I mean, that's the amazing thing about Joe Biden's buddy, the former Klansman, the guy that, that filibustered the Civil Rights Act of 64, the Voting Rights Act of 65, at, you know, partnering with the former Klansman 
to stop the integration of schools and stop school busing. You know, he didn't want schools to become, in Joe Biden's words, racial jungles. Imagine if Donald Trump said that. We'll get to that later. You know, we, we have real enemies that exist in this world. We do have hostile regimes. Russia's one of them. Putin's a hostile actor. China's another one, probably the biggest threat now. And, and President Xi, a hostile actor. And you got North Korea and Kim Jong-un. You got the mullahs in Iran. And now we're cutting our military. That's not good. You know, and, and he discusses in this piece, and it's very thoughtful. He's very academic, very smart that he we're witnessing a concerted effort to alter the constitutional order, the good parts he's talking about, uh, and centuries of custom and, and tradition that have served we, the people, very well, our constitutional republic. And, and these institutions, what have I said before the election? I was talking about major institutions now, these forces that have aligned against we, the people, you know, for example, the mob, the media, they lie regularly. They, they now are propaganda outlets for all things democratic, radical, socialist, and all things hate anything conservative. You know, we have a 233-year electoral college, which he, which he mentions in his piece. That's served our country well. Emphasis on, on individual states and how our Constitution... It authorizes specifically state legislators to to figure out the the means and and ways and times of elections, et cetera, or a hundred and seventy six year old tradition of a you know one day election day, you know not that well we got to vote for a month now, you know that was so nefarious, so so insidious even about what Joe Biden calling Georgia's new law Jim Crow two point He's been there, what, for 400 centuries representing Delaware and Joe Biden? He never lifted a finger to make voting more accessible, as he refers to his slave state, the state of Delaware. And, and his state has far more restrictive voting laws than the new Georgia law. Georgia has 17 days of early voting, early in-person voting. Delaware has none. Georgia has drop boxes in every precinct. Delaware has none, and both Georgia and Delaware require voter ID. How does he get away with saying Jim Crow 2.0? How does he get a pass, you know, aligning and praising segregationists and, and, and partnering with a former Klansman to stop the integration of schools and, and school busing, et cetera? You know, we have a 50-state we, we union. There's a process. They don't want they want to bypass all of this. And what is the biggest power grab ever? Then, you know, offering not rewarding law breaking people that won't respect our laws. If you don't like the laws, Joe, you need the votes, Joe. Those were your words and change the law. Lawmakers can change the law. They don't want to change laws. So they just open up the they just we have open borders now with the promise of amnesty. By the way, something of great, great value. And it's now we're seeing record numbers of people head to the border. Of a 152-year-old tradition of a nine-member Supreme Court. Well, we, we don't like the Supreme Court now because uh, we didn't get to pick everybody, so we're going to add four more justices. It's a power grab. The 170-year-old Senate filibuster, as he said, a bone had idea, packing the courts, etc., he said before the election, he lied to us. Which of these, do you, do you support ending the legislative filibuster packing the courts? 
I support any of these? None. I support none of them. But the squad is in charge. It's not Joe. The squad runs this, the House of Representatives. Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, Congresswoman Tlaib, Congresswoman Omar, Presley, and others. The, the, the Joe, uh, Chuck Schumer, Nancy, they're deathly afraid. They set the agenda. This new climate, I'm looking at this, this climate summit that they're going to have. You look at all the monies, the trillions of dollars being, you know, we're told it's infrastructure. It's not infrastructure. It's this new Green Deal madness to appease the squad. You know, emergency COVID relief. That That's more money to go as a down payment for the new Green Deal. Another lie. Joe got knocked over by the wind three times. That's what happened. We're supposed to believe that lie? You know, I, I played Joe Biden from 1994 on TV last night. My first thing I said is, Wow, see what I mean? He's weak and frail and struggling cognitively. That's not the same guy that's that's in the Oval Office for a couple of hours a day, if that. We need a strong military. We need good schools. These are the foundational things for our country. And I'll tell you another thing that we need, and it's fundamental. You cannot pursue happiness, find your God-given talents without law and order and safety and security. They now want to take away the indemnity of, of police officers. In other words, if a police officer gets sued, he'll have to hire his own lawyer. Let me tell you how that's going to end. It's not that hard to figure out. You don't need a degree from Harvard or MIT to figure this out. It's going to end with every criminal charged and arrested is going to sue the cop. Then the cops are going to quit because they can't afford the lawyers that's what's gonna that's how that is gonna end if you don't have a good education you don't have law and order and safety and security so basic so fundamental and it's fascinating when you look at the cities and the states run by liberal democrats for decades you look at them and what do we what have we learned about those cities and states they've done the worst job with schools and the worst job they have the highest homicide rates now they're defunding the police. Now the homicide rates and the murder rate is going through the roof. By the way, the girl that was almost stabbed by Makia Bryant and that cop did make the right decision. We've been able to break it down frame by frame by frame. He saved an unarmed, innocent girl pinned against the car's life as Makia Bryant is seen loading, meaning if, you, if you're loading up, the back, her back arm to thrust that knife that is very clearly in her hand right into this girl's chest. And in a fraction of a second, the cop had to decide. He made the right decision. The girl that was almost stabbed, by the way, has now expressed gratitude. Maybe somebody could tell this to LeBron James. We'll get to him in a minute. <laughs> She came out at you with a knife yes, earlier? No, she just, that's what the, that's what the police that, did. That lady she, came on the after, floor? she came after me. With so, a knife? Yeah, so, she, so he got her. He gave, expressed gratitude to the police. Let me, it's, it's, and it's so sad. All of these incidents are so sad. Every life is precious. Every life. A 13-year-old in the state of Ohio was killed this Monday. Stabbed to death by another 13-year-old. Yeah, that's a lethal weapon. Um, McKay O'Brien's neighbor even said the cop had no choice in this case. 
this is not even a this is not a tough call. You know, even some people on fake news CNN got it right for once. Amazing. Because they had no choice when you see the girl loaded up with a knife about to be thrust into another girl. The cop saved that girl's life. Now, by the way, he's now on leave. Joyless Bayhart. This is the dumbest thing ever. Cops should have fired a warning shot. Okay, Joy, pay attention. It's not hard to figure. By the time that shot was fired up in the air, it was over. The girl would have the knife in her. Just like people shoot him in the leg. First of all, you know, it's hard to hit the leg only. There's a reason center mass is the target for police to prevent innocent people from getting shot. And you have another, this hard-hitting news show, The View, Sonny Houston, I don't know how to say her last name, says the Ohio cop was wrong to interfere when a teenager is about to be stabbed to death. Can somebody tell her that there was a 13-year-old girl in Ohio stabbed to death by another 13-year-old on Monday? It's unbelievable. We'll get to all of this. We have a lot to get to today. A lot of news out there. 800-941-SHAWN is our number. Uh, on the LeBron James issue, now, as far as I see this, I see this as a threat. What Le- 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 LeBron James posts a picture of the police officer involved in the Ohio case, and you're next in a, I guess, an hourglass. Is that what was in it, Linda? Because you banned me from Twitter, I only get to see the one James shows me. Okay, and all right, and. Now, he ended up deleting it and giving, I thought, a pretty lame statement about it. And, you know, it's just sad that you have this rush to judgment. What if something happens to this police officer? This doxing of people's, that's got to stop. Giving out addresses of jurors, that's got to stop. You know, I don't think it was applicable in this case Jurors, the reason I support sequestration and the reason I support change of venues in high-profile cases is because you want to take any political pressure or as much political pressure off a jury. If they're in the jury room, and I don't think it was a factor here, but I do think it can be a factor. We've got to pay attention to that, that that there will be consequences. That's what made Maxine Waters' comments so insidious. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll get to your calls today. We'll have a debate on this Ohio case with uh, Kareem Lanier and our friend Pastor Scott. Newt Gingrich coming up. Much more. A lot to get to. And your calls, 800-941-SEAN. As we continue, we're glad you're with us. 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, you know, it's sad when you see that the, the politics being inserted into sports started, I guess, with Colin Kaepernick and, and taking a knee in the national anthem. And and then, of course, Major League Baseball, the, this idiot commissioner. Why didn't he compare the Delaware restrictive voting laws that Joe didn't fix in 100 centuries representing Delaware to the very non-restrictive law? law that was just passed in in the state of Georgia before racing and just yanking it away. All you know, I don't support boycotts. I, that's not something I'm a part of, but people the one thing that I think people are missing in sports and one of the great things about 
sports is that if you go to a, a football game, go to a baseball game, you go to a, a concert, wherever you happen to go, um, I don't care if it's Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, you name it. If you look at the crowd, I mean, you have diversity. And most people want to go to a game to have fun, to get away from their the daily stress of their lives. And, and even the, the world of heavy-duty politics, which gets intense and can be stressful in people's lives. And the one thing that everybody in... in you know, if you go see a home team, doesn't matter who you are, what race you are, what your religion is, what background you have, you have something in common is you love your home team. You love your school team. This has not really, thankfully, yet really gone deep into college sports that I see. I have to check in with Stephen A. to get updated on that. And, and I think athletes are missing this. It is a unifying moment for the country. What I don't think they realize is that as they politicize football and baseball and now basketball and other sports, you know, I, I'm saying people are just gonna they're just gonna say I don't they don't want any part of it, and you're going to lose opportunities. I like watching people that are the best at what they do. You know, as a big huge basketball fan growing up for example you know willis reed earl the pearl monroe walt frazier bill bradley dave debusher this guy recently passed away the crowd loved him he was a crowd favorite name was wingo they called for wingo to come out and play just i loved it at the time i loved the the matchup larry bird and the boston celtics dj danny ainge kevin McHale, parish i mean that was one of the best lineups ever in, in basketball history and then going up against Magic Johnson uh, with the Lakers. I mean, a, a rivalry of all rivalries. And, and for Bird and, and Magic, that went back to college. And, you know, you look at LeBron James today, and just, you know, such a talented, gifted athlete. Um, and I don't think people realize that, you know, that there are other things that athletes ought to be, that, that, that they can be doing to take this goodwill that people naturally have an affinity, a love for, for their home team and invite people if they have a passion or a cause that's near and dear to their heart, maybe stopping violence in Chicago. Let's start there or stopping violence in any big city. You know, it's amazing. I, 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 it's like I was a lone voice forever out there. How come we don't know the names so often of people? that are victims in shootings. Why is it only a couple? How many people know the names of the 103 police officers gunned down so far this year? How many people know the names? Last weekend in Chicago, 26 people shot. By the way, that's a relatively calm weekend for Chicago. And the, and the five people that are dead, do you know their names? Why do we only know some names, some cases? Because really we only hear about cases when they they fit a particular political narrative that's sad especially if you believe that every life like i believe matters and every life is a gift and that we're all created by the same god 
Um, and that I believe in that we as conservatives believe in natural rights from God, God given, not government given. That's why we believe in limited government, greater freedom, greater liberty to pursue happiness with limited government. You know, as Thomas Paine once wrote, government in its best state is but a necessary evil and its worst state an intolerable one. Okay. So LeBron James, the way I see this, it was a public threat of this Columbia, uh, I'm sorry, Columbus police officer post a picture of the officer's face on Twitter. He has 50 million followers on Twitter with the caption, you're next. Whoa. Now this officer, we now know the details of the case. He saved a young woman's life who was about to be stabbed. A knife is a lethal weapon. In Ohio, a 13-year-old girl was stabbed to death by another 13-year-old girl, as I said, this this past Monday. You know, the image of the officer and the aftermath of this. And I'm just sitting there and, you know, despite this footage showing that this young woman, Bryant, was attacking an unarmed other innocent young woman with a deadly weapon. Blasting out the officer's picture. You're next. An emoji of an hourglass. A hashtag of hashtag accountability. Wow. Pretty unbelievable. You're next. You're next. Well, how else do you interpret that other than it being a threat? This officer saved an unarmed, innocent young girl's life. And, and he, he didn't have a lot of time to make the decision. God forbid he made the wrong one. This guy spend the rest of his life probably in jail. But he puts himself on the line like that every single day. Now, he later deleted the tweet in this particular case. I mean, the National Fraternal Order of Police slamming LeBron James over, rightly so. But that's, that's the practice called doxing, basically. A police officer that saved the teenage girl from being stabbed to death. And then he goes back to Twitter to explain. He says the anger he felt, he said, anger does not do, does, anger does any of us, does not do any of us any good, and that includes myself. Gathering all the facts, educating does, though. My anger is, still is here for what happened to that little girl. My sympathy for her family may justice prevail. And I, I, I feel the same. Does anyone feel good? That a 15-year-old girl was about to stab another 15-year-old girl and had and to save the unarmed girl's life, the police had, had to shoot the girl with the knife that was about to be thrust into the other girl. Nobody likes this. We got to stop this. You know, everyone does, well, we can't do what Rudy Giuliani did. Why not? He's shown, he's paved the way. We can do it. And then he went on to say, I'm so damn tired of seeing black people killed by police. I took the tweet down because it's being used to create more hate. This isn't about one officer. It's about the entire system. And they always use our words to create more racism. So desperate for more accountability. Uh, Look, I'm not going to get into this with LeBron James. You know, LeBron James, actually, somebody picked this up. I guess Michael Moore tweeted it and. Somebody retweeted it from 2016. All lives matter. Because I'm not up here saying that all police are bad because they're not. I'm not up here saying that all, you know, 
all kids are great and all adults are great because they're not but at the same time all lives do matter and it's not just about it's not black or white it's not it's not that it's it's everyone uh he had it right then so i'm not really sure you know what the sad part is too if if and again i'm not a boycotter am i going to still go to professional sports yeah but you know what it's adding the politics takes takes a lot away from for me because it's, it's it's look is, is it escapism yeah it's escapism by the way now this goes further and it's the one thing that unites everybody a home team unites people that's good for everybody ohio state students are demanding the university cut ties with columbus police after makia bryant shooting I, I'm just stunned that you can come to any other conclusion than the obvious, which is the cop saved an unarmed, innocent girl that was pinned against a car's life. Having a hard time. How would you feel if it was your daughter? You know, Joy Behar once showed up. Why didn't he shoot a warning shot? Okay, let's say he shot the warning shot, Joy. It's over. The knife is in the 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 unarmed girl pinned to the car. That's why he didn't shoot a warning shot or, or attempt to shoot the leg. The leg would not have stopped this. It was it was a load and a, a, the beginning of a thrust with a knife headed right for that girl's chest. And we could see it in this case. Body cams are, you know, they're working. It's um, it's just, it's a very, very hard time. Now you're going to take away indemnification of police that's not going to end well and a seven-year-old boy fatally shot while riding in a car with his mother in hickory north carolina that happened did you hear about this case shooting happened around 11 12 anyway was driving with his mom shot in the car killing harris seven-year-old little boy one-year-old six-year-old also in the car remember the chicago shooting the the Jocelyn Adams, seven. Yeah, they had the vigil for that little girl that was shot at the McDonald's drive-thru. Young girl's father was also shot. We don't know what happened. But a lot of this, you know, Steve Scalise actually, you know, Maxine Waters' comments that now open the door even as the judge in the Chauvin case said to a possible appeal or, or throwing out the verdict. You know, he said to Maxine Waters, Steve Scalise, I was shot because of this kind of dangerous rhetoric let me be clear maxine waters knew her rhetoric would incite violence in minneapolis but she doesn't care how come democrats are never held accountable for the reckless insurrectionist language if you will donald trump said many of you will now peacefully patriotically march to the capitol so your voices will be heard that's not what maxine waters said and Scalise was clear. Maxine Waters knew a rhetoric would incite violence in Minneapolis. She doesn't care. She just requests police escorts for herself, which we reported on. I was shot because of this kind of dangerous rhetoric. Gotta, we got to lower the temperature here. Apparently, she lives in a $6 million mansion. It was a Republican. Republican living in a mansion. But anyway, just all sad. This point in time, everybody wants to politicize everything. You had in New York a Black Lives Matter protester raging against a effing owner of a restaurant owned by an effing white man, declaring New York City a no white zone. Got to be kidding me.
This is Comrade de Blasio's, you know, new vision for New York, screaming at outdoor diners, staying. Now, by the way, as if they haven't had a hard enough time, these restaurants surviving in the draconian shutdowns. Stay the F out of New York. Wow. Okay. All this is going on. Black Lives Matter. There's a report at Oklahoma City storming the Capitol there. GOP over a GOP bill protecting drivers fleeing riots and police from doxing. Doxing these people. It's not going to end well, a lot of this. I'm not really sure why the, the cop involved in the shooting you know, has been put on leave. I guess they want to get all the facts in. So, you know, it's, you know, there was an, an interesting editorial in the New York Post today in an eye-opener demonstration, Black Lives Matter activists, to talk about stay the F out of New York. We don't want you here. And what's the ideology here, it goes on to say? This effing restaurant owned by effing white men what is the ideology they ask? It certainly has nothing to do with policing. You know, it has nothing to do with the Chauvin verdict. He's guilty on all counts. It's, nor is it even about the, the systemic racism. By the way, and that's another problem. We're getting lectured by Joe Biden. Best friend of, and, and the guy that praises segregationists and partnered with the former Klansmen. Unbelievable. Valerie Jarrett, she rushed to judgment. All the all the rushing to judgment. It's unbelievable. It's extraordinarily dangerous to this society as we move forward. The girl stabbed, almost stabbed by Makia Bryant, thanked the police who saved her. Imagine if it was your daughter facing that knife and that load of that knife in that hand and what was about to happen imminently. By the way, the poverty rate is soaring. Uh, Dow taking a huge hit on news of a capital gains tax increase doubling uh, under Biden. It's going to be awful for the economy. Biden now proposing a trillion dollars more in new spending on top of the emergency COVID relief. By the way, Saki was finally pressed, we'll get to this later, on whether Biden acknowledges his own role in systemic racism and praising former Klansmen and segregationists and not wanting integration of schools or busing. Anyway, got to take a break. We'll come back. We'll get to that debate. Pastor Daryl Scott, uh, Kareem Lanier, both friends of the program, coming up next. All right, when we come back, we're going to have a debate over the shooting in Ohio. Uh, we'll check in with our friend, Pastor Daryl Scott, our other friend, Kareem Lanier. Longtime friends of the program. Later on, Newt Gingrich. We've got a great Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. We'll get to your calls today, 800-941-SEAN is our number. Right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Thanks for being with us. Toll free, it's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. It's amazing to me that Joe Biden has gotten the pass that he always gets. If Donald Trump had ever been out there in the past praising segregationists and Klansmen, former Klansmen, whatever, uh, I doubt the media would ever give him a pass. And frankly, I don't think they should. If Donald Trump ever, ever, you know, fought against the integration at any point in his life of our school system because he doesn't want our schools to become quote, racial jungles like Joe Biden did as he partnered with the former Klansman, Robert KKK Byrd, and 
praised him at his funeral, praised Strom Thurmond, segregationist, etc. I doubt that Donald Trump would, would get a pass. Joe Biden that has been criticizing the new Georgia election law. Well, in his state of Delaware, he's represented over 500 years, uh, far more restrictive voting laws than the new law in Georgia. In Georgia, there's 17 days of early in-person voting. In Georgia, there's a drop box in every county. Every precinct, as a matter of fact, is a drop box mandated by law. In Delaware, there's no early voting. And there's there's you need an excuse if you want to vote absentee. Both states require voter identification. And he calls it three separate times Jim Crow 2.0. So we're going to get lectured from the guy that fought against integration of schools, partnered with the former Klansman, who also historically we know as a fact he filibustered the historic 1964 Civil Rights Act, and Robert Byrd filibustered the 1965 Voting Rights Act, and it took Lyndon Johnson getting support from Republicans to make the, these historic gains to become a more perfect union. It wasn't Democrats, you would think. So he's out there saying, you know, in case this Cleveland shooting, with it, with a cop saved the life of a young teenager, as you can see the knife clearly you know, loaded and ready to be thrust into this this young girl's chest that was pinned to a car, and the cop had a split second and saved this girl's life. The same state, Ohio, where on Monday, a 13-year-old stabbed another 13-year-old, stabbed with a knife to death. And here's this, Jen Psaki is out there saying, you know, it's pointing to systemic racism, talking about this specific shooting of Makia Bryant. And then a blowing off a question about Biden's culpability and his own past decisions, which nobody's ever asked him. And then Biden believing the bar for convicting officers is too high in his new legislation. Get this. Every cop that got sued by the people that they arrest would have to pay for their own lawyers. Nobody will be a cop. Nobody will be a cop. It will be impossible to take that job on because nobody will be able to afford the lawyers. Trust me, as somebody that hires a lot of lawyers. Anyway, listen to Jen Psaki. The killing of 16-year-old Michaela Bryant by the Columbus police is tragic. She was a child. We're thinking of her friends and family and the communities that are hurting and grieving her loss. We know that police violence disproportionately impacts uh, black and Latino people in communities and that black women and girls, like black men and boys, experience higher rates of police violence. So our focus is on um, working to address systemic racism and implicit bias head-on and, of course, to passing laws and legislation that will put much-needed reforms into place at police departments around the country. To what extent does President Biden uh, acknowledge his own role in uh, systemic racism and how does that inform his current policy positions? Well, I would say that um, the president's, one of the president's core objectives is addressing racial injustice in this country, not just through his rhetoric, but through his actions. And what anyone should look to is his advocacy for passing the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, for nominating uh, leaders to the Department of Justice to address uh, long, outdated um, policies, uh, and to uh, ask his team, leadership team here in the White House to prioritize these issues in his presidency, which is current and today and not from 30 years ago. Does he believe it's important to accept his own culpability? I think that answered your question. Under current law, um, it's a high bar uh, for convicting officers of federal civil rights crimes. Does the president think it's time to revisit this aspect of the law? Mm-hmm. 
Well, first, um, as the president alluded to last night in his remarks uh, after the verdict was announced, uh, he believes the bar for convicting officers is far too high. It needs to be changed. Uh, he's a strong supporter, as he also conveyed passionately last night of the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act, which does change the intent standard. Obviously, there is negotiations that need to happen on Capitol Hill, but uh, he believes the bar uh, is too high. Uh, he believes the bar is too high. Now, now, uh, any cop involved in any arrest that, with any lawsuit, every cop's going to get sued every time. Then no cop will arrest anybody. That's how dumb that law is. Uh, Kareem Lanier is with us, co-chairman, executive vice president, board of directors, co-founder, Urban Revitalization Coalition. Our friend, Pastor Daryl Scott, is with us, chief executive officer of Urban Revitalization Coalition. Uh, now, the Ohio cop has been put on leave I watched this video over and over and over again, Pastor Scott, and you see that the, the this woman is holding a knife, and she is loaded, about to thrust that knife into this other young woman in, uh, that, that's pinned against the car. If the cop didn't shoot at that moment, that fraction of a second, it's probably likely that girl wouldn't be alive today. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, the knife, now, it is tragic, but yeah, go ahead. If you notice the trajectory in the direction that the knife was pointing in, it was directed towards her vitals. So the, it, it does uh, definitely suggest that the girl would have been killed. And not only that, here's a question that I have for others, and this is the statement I say about myself. If this were my daughter or my granddaughter in the pink jumpsuit who was on the receiving end, I would have thanked the officer, for saving her life. I would have made it a racial issue. I would have made it a, a human issue. And I would have said thank you to the officer for saving my daughter's life because, you know, uh, he had to make a split-second decision to save a life. And sometimes in order to save a life, you have to take a life. And, uh, I mean, it's very unfortunate that this child was involved in this shooting. It's very tragic and unfortunate that it happened. But... I really don't see any other way around this. Some are suggesting taser, but I don't think that would have been effective. I, there's no time for a taser in this case. And I'm, I've been the right. one pushing for non-lethal alternatives for police and beyond the taser for a long time. Your take, Kareem Lanier. Here's the issue here. we got a situation where historically there's been a different relationship between black America and police as opposed to white America and police. And so there's been a lot of situations to Eric Garner's, the Tamir Rice's, et cetera, et cetera. You can name a bunch of them, the Breonna Taylor's, that were very, very controversial. The Botham, uh, the Botham case in Dallas, very controversial situations. Well, when you have a situation like this, which is very, very, a very dicey situation, and that there was a young lady that had a knife on another young lady. The problem is police are being trained. I think police need a, a bit more training, and I'm extremely pro-police. I'm a big uh, advocate for blue. Uh, wh why not shoot her in the leg or shoot her in the arm? Don't kill her. Don't shoot her in the chest or shoot her in the head. Do something to incapacitate her so that she doesn't harm anybody. The, the, the problem is, now, this particular time. police officer, what, what you're saying, standard police training is you shoot up at the, the biggest target. You don't go for a head shot. You don't go for a leg shot. The odds of you missing and some innocent person go goes up dramatically is to shoot upper body mass. 
So, you know, if we start aiming for legs, I, I, I don't know if that would have stopped this, this young girl from thrusting that knife into the chest of this other young girl. The problem with that, Sean, is this. At the end of the day, police, especially in this day and time, they know the sensitive relationship that's happening right now between cops and black Americans. Okay, but let, we let's have stop. We have better practices here. Kareem, we got to slow down here. This is important. Okay. okay. You're the cop. You see that that this this young woman is loaded and about yep. and you see with the position of the knife it is aimed Correct. right for the upper body mass of this other young woman that 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 woman's life is in imminent danger that second yes it is and, and you you're saying that we should maybe shoot we should maybe shoot her in the leg is that what your advice you is here you you, you 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 don't shoot you don't put four bullets in her back no you don't you don't. Listen, Sean, I come from black America. I, I, I live in a... If you shot her in the leg, and I'm a marksman, it's, it's, this guy happened to be a... This was a very delicate, very difficult shot that he had to take because there was another person in such close proximity. Shot. Now... He was, he, was, he was very close to her. But that, I don't think a shot right? in the leg would have stopped what was inevitable Sean, at that moment. He's what's a your take? To par- doc- Pastor, what's your take? I don't think the cop was saying to himself, well, she's only a 15-year-old girl. I don't think he did that. I don't think he said to himself, well, she's black. She's not white, so I'm a shooter. I just think that was the moment. He was trained to react in that moment, and he reacted the way he was trained to react. I talked to some police officers uh, some years ago, and uh, black police officers, in fact, and I talked to them about why weren't police more apt to shoot the wound. And he said, we weren't trained to shoot the wound. We were trained to shoot, as you said, Sean, upper body mass, not necessarily to kill, but you're not trained to aim at a leg or or arm. You're trained to shoot to prevent the activity of whoever you're shooting at. And so, once again, all I can say is that... Yeah, po- police are... Tra- it's very difficult, and, and the police chief actually answered this question. It was asked yesterday. People went nuts on social media. And, and can, can an officer shoot the leg and shoot someone that would not result in a fatal wound? And, and as the... As they answer the question, one of the most difficult things, we don't train to shoot the leg because that's the smallest target. We train to shoot upper center mass, which is which in that particular case was a was to stop the threat immediately. This was here's the question. Was the victim in this case that was about to be stabbed at risk of losing her life, imminent risk of death? I think do we all agree the answer is yes. Absolutely. No question about it. Absolutely. So, Kareem, there really isn't any other option in that case. I don't even see an option for a non-lethal weapon in that case. I see another option here. What? You know, when you look at this, you, you, you keep saying that the police are trained to do this, right? Okay, they need to be trained to do it another way. We live in a different society now. And so, just like they're trained to shoot cinemas, they can be trained to shoot in the leg or trained to shoot in the arm. We watch many videos. Uh, from other communities where you'll see uh, an individual with a knife that, that's white or of another color. And these police, obviously, they're trained to approach this a different way than they do in, in urban neighborhoods. And the reason I say this, Sean, is very simple. I'm very passionate about this because I grew up in a very, very bad black neighborhood. My mother was on crack cocaine. I didn't know my father. I've seen it all. The, the, the corrupt criminal justice reform uh, or criminal justice system is the gateway to that are corrupt 
bad police. And a lot of those police are not in your neighborhood. They're not in the neighborhoods I live in now. They're in those neighborhoods that are very tough, and they have a tough job. Policing is not an easy job. But when they sign up for they job, that job, they know what they're signing up for. And so we have to come up with better training methods. Yeah, but you know, I, ask, I'm, I'm listening this. to you, Kareem. I, I would tell you, I want non-lethal alternatives beyond the taser. I'm not a big fan of the taser. It, it can be effective, but that's for close quarters conflict. Uh, I, I've, I've pointed out other alternatives. I've been showing the burner gun, for example, on TV, and there are others. And and I would suggest that cops have that at their avail. Uh, then, but in this particular case, I think if the sh- if the police officer started thinking about, okay, let me shoot for the leg. I don't think it would have stopped that knife from being thrust into this other young woman's chest. And that girl might be dead today. Well, well let, let me let me jump in with this. So I don't think we can have different standards of policing for different ethnicities. Um, I, I, I tend to try to give certain police the benefit of the doubt. I just don't think, especially with this guy being a young officer, I don't think he was taking into consideration age or ethnicity. He was just taking into consideration the fact that this knife about to go into her belly, and he had to stop it the best way he could. And once again, if it was my daughter on the receiving end of that knife, I'd be thanking that police officer for saving my daughter or my granddaughter's life. Kareem, that's a great question. Are you willing, if that was your daughter, when somebody's loaded to thrust a knife into your daughter's chest, would you want the police to sample and and see if shooting in the leg worked better? This is a catch-22 question. No, 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 no. Question. That's a, that, that's a, that's a real-life question. I'm going to feed the fifth. Listen, listen, I have two daughters. I have okay, two daughters. Okay, so, so wait a minute. Don't duck my question. Kareem, you got to answer this. This is an important question. If it was your daughter pinned against the car, the knife loaded as we've seen that, that still picture, about to be thrust into your daughter's chest, what do you want the cop to do if it's your daughter? I refuse to answer that question, and I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> At the end of the day, listen, it's a question. It's a, a catch twenty-two. Any any reasonable man would know to answer the question, right? That I, I'm going to. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something I don't often do. I'm going to give you time. I'm going to give you time to think of your answer because I think you're ducking. I think you're dodging the key question. We'll come back more with Kareem Lanier on the other side. More with. Pastor Daryl Scott on the other side. Quick break. We'll come back. We'll also bring up the issue of LeBron James and much more uh, as we continue. 800-941-SEAN. We'll get to some of your calls at the bottom of this half hour as well. Straight ahead. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, uh, we're holding over from the last half hour. Uh, Our guests will get to your calls in a minute here. Kareem Lanier, co-chair, executive vice president, board of directors, co-founder, Urban Revitalization Coalition. Our friend, Pastor Daryl Scott, been a friend of the show for many years, executive uh, chief executive officer of the Urban Revitalization Coalition. We're having a discussion about the the shooting that took place in Ohio, uh, where this officer, to prevent, we've all now seen the video, we've seen it in real time, and it's very hard to see in real time. And then we've seen it in slow motion. And then we've seen it where we actually slow down, and and we actually have a still picture, and what you see is Makia Bryant, loaded with a knife, about to be thrust into another teenager who's pinned against the car. Now... We were just talking with uh, Kareem and Pastor Scott about this, and I asked Kareem, okay, let's, for a second, he said, well, maybe police should be trained to shoot in the leg, and I explained why police 
are taught to shoot center mass and and what their training is. And he says, well, we need to maybe train police differently if you're just getting up to speed with us. And I said, well, let me ask you this question, because the if if the if the police followed that advice, I would argue the likelihood that that knife attack would have been completed is very high. And this is coming from somebody who's been a pistol marksman since I'm young. But my question to you again, Kareem, and I've given you time now to think about it, is the same. If it was your daughter that was pinned against the car, you saw uh, another person with a a knife loaded, ready to be thrust into your daughter's chest, that very likely could kill her. What would you want the police to do? Because you won't answer my question. Once again, I plead the fifth. And I refuse to ask. You can't the plead the fifth. You this this is <laughs> real. This Why this was a real Why life situation. You gotta yes, answer got here. Son, son, son. I got two daughters, two beautiful daughters. One thirteen, one fourteen. Love them with all of my heart. But I know what rabbit hole you're trying to walk me down, and I'm not going down that rabbit. At the end of the day, my point is very, very simple. I am pro-police, and I'm not saying that this guy should be convicted of anything for what he did. I just wish, because he did save a life, potentially. But just like he potentially said, I believe that he could have saved that life and potentially saved another one. If, in fact, police were better trained. That's all I'm saying. You, do you say they're trained to shoot center mass? Okay. Okay, I'm all for more else. training, and I've gone over this in great detail. But you cannot duck this question. You're the one that okay, brought well, up look, the idea of maybe we should train cops to shoot in the leg. This is a real-life example. This happened. The cop is no. on the scene. The knife is loaded, about to be thrust in a second into another innocent, unarmed girl's chest. If that girl is your daughter pinned against the car and about to get stabbed, are you telling me you don't believe the cop should 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 shoot to stop an an a life uh, an imminent threat of death to your daughter? Is that what you're telling this the audience? Problem, the, you the, wouldn't the, want the, the cops to here, stop an imminent no, threat no, no. to your daughter. The problem here is you're generalizing and exceptionalizing at the same time. Stop. That's not true. No, 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 no. Kareem, that's not true. I am. This is a real life example. We've got the videotape. I'm asking you, you love your daughters and I believe I pray for your daughters, but God forbid it's your daughter pinned against that car. That knife is loaded. A cop is on the scene. She's her life is in jeopardy. She's about to be killed. What do you want the cop to do? You can answer. You can't plead the fifth. You're generalizing and exceptionalizing at the same time. My daughter, that's an exceptional situation. That's that's an isolated incident you're talking about. My daughter, right? We're talking about in general. The girl pinned against the car was somebody's daughter. Yeah, but you're taking, you're making a general situation, an exceptional situation. It's not not general. Stop. It's real life. Let me me, me get in. I I, want to get in. I want to get in with a couple of questions. Can I jump in? Yes, sir. I have, a, I have a question right here. Number one, would that girl have been shot if she did not have a knife in her hand? No, I don't think she would have. Kareem, are do you we, agree with that? I agree with that. Are we showing uh, gender preference? If she was a grown man, say she was a 50-year-old man about to stab that girl, would it have been okay to shoot him? I don't know about that one. Wow. But if it was a Listen, grown I don't... man with a knife about to stab a girl, and, and, and he was shot, we would say the cop was a hero. 
Now, all I'm saying is I'm, so, I'm sorry it happened. I really am sorry it happened. And it's important I am, too, by the way. For the record, I'm very sorry. It's sad. Right. It's it, sad. It, and, and our children are our national treasure. It Let me ask you this, Kareem. Let me ask you another question. And all of that. But, I mean, the timing was bad, and the incident was, was, was tragic. I don't see any other way around it. If the stabbing were finished, if, it, if, if, if that knife was thrust into that girl's chest, and I mean, the, the, you see a load, meaning full power attack into the chest of this young girl. If that had happened and the stabbing occurred, we still likely would have a dead person here, wouldn't we, yes, Kareem we Lanier? Yes, yes, we would. And you're telling now, me if it's your daughter that was the one that could, would, could likely be dead, you wouldn't want the police that, that had an opportunity of a fraction of a second to stop it, you wouldn't want them to stop it. So now you're pleading the fifth. You won't answer. No, 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 no. Let me give you context on the flip side of that. You're saying the stabbing. Now, I'll answer this question. Here's the deal. Those two young ladies, it was three of them, actually, they showed up at her house. She was at home. They came at her house to attack her. So... What I'm saying is this. Listen, I'm not justifying. The All right. Staffing. Let's say it was your daughter that showed up at her house. Your daughter's now pinned okay. against the car. She's loaded to put the, the knife into her chest. What do you want the cop to do? Okay. I got to At some point, and I hate to do this because LeBron James kind of sort of threw this out there and made a, a mess of it. But at some point, there has to be some sort of accountability. Now, if my daughter is being the aggressor and she's going to somebody's house to fight them. I'm and, asking and your if you if your daughter is the one about to be stabbed to death pinned against the car, what do you want okay. the cop to do? I'm not answering that question. I told you that already. <laughs> uh, I'm Pastor, not answering that question. Hey, listen. Uh, no, pa- I, I, I mean, you, first- you want to know who's really talking conceptually here? It's you. Because, we're, because no. Pastor Scott and I are dealing with a real-life situation with a fraction of a second. And and I, I I is it sad? It breaks my heart. I love children. Every child is 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 the is made by our God above. I believe that with all of my heart. And every child has God given gifts and potential. And 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 at that moment, it looked like one of those girls was gonna die. An issue here. You're dealing with a general issue, and then you're no. It's not general. general it's issue. specific. No, the general, no, you're making it specific in an exceptional way, and you're making it very personal in order for you to get the answer you want out of me. Which the girl was unarmed, Kareem. She was unarmed. But she was, listen, listen, neither, I don't want no kid to die. I don't want nobody to die, right? But we're dealing neither with. Neither do I. Here. Here's the issue we're dealing with the general issue that you keep trying to make a. A, a, a specific exceptional issue, and that is the general issue is the policing and the police reaction to what he saw and how it happened. And my thing here is this. You see, you'll give I me your concept, but then when, when we get to the specifics, if that's your daughter, you don't go near it. And I know, I'm and I'm going to tell you why, Pastor Scott, I'll tell you why I think he won't answer that question. You ready? Okay. Because as a All father, right. he would want his daughter protected, and he doesn't want to say it. Well, listen, let me say this. I'll put it this way. The girl that got shot had on blue. The girl that did that got that was about to get stabbed had on pink. If my daughter had on the blue, no, I don't want him to shoot. If my daughter has on the pink, yes, I do want him to shoot. So that's the conundrum right there. If if my daughter had the knife, of course I don't want him to shoot her. I want him to disable it. If my daughter doesn't have the knife, I don't care what he does. I just don't want that knife going into my daughter. 
I'm just being honest. I don't care if he's the hitter in the head. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about LeBron James and and that irresponsible tweet, Pastor Scott. (laughs) LeBron put out a tweet, immediately took it back down. I'll say this much about LeBron. LeBron has uh, a good PR because he spun it very well. He spun it to say that whoever was um, publicizing the tweet was using it for hate. And so he spun that very well when he took it back down. The bottom line, I don't think sometimes he um, understands the position that he holds as an influencer in America and not just a black influencer, that he's a, 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 a multiracial influencer. And I just think sometimes you have to be a little bit more responsible when you put something out like that because he was basically putting a target on that officer's back. All right, Kareem, you tell everybody what you think the answer should be on both points, what the cops should do, what do you want the cops to do, and your thoughts on LeBron. Okay, so let me me, me go right to LeBron James. And and, and this is is very, very special. LeBron James, and I'm going to make this personal for you since you like to get into this exceptional stuff. The first time you and I met, I met you at Pastor Scott's church, and you told me you practiced jujitsu or some, some, some karate, or kung fu, something. And I'm like, you don't practice now. I'll, I'll, I'll whoop you. You know, we're talking crazy. He said, no, I really do. And he said, let me show you a move I can put you in. I said, no problem, Sean. You're going to put me in a move. You're going to test something out. Tell you, let me turn around. And then you put me in a chokehold. And then you tightened the grip up and, 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 and tried to choke me out. I almost fainted. That was the first time. The second time, I said, when I see him this time, if you try to put me in this chokehold, I'm going to have to whoop on Sean this time. (laughs) As sure as I I remember, we get to the studio, and I hope Linda's listening, because we're in the studio. You tried to put me in the same chokehold, and I was very defensive. Matter of fact, I moved around your studio a little bit. It was what it was. That's the problem. Well, you're making this out to be nefarious, and it was not. We were two friends having fun. I know, I know, I know, but, 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 but I'm, I'm, I'm just having a good radio with you right now. But, but that's what happened with LeBron James. When you are a part of a, a community that's been abused, sometimes you overreact. Sometimes you flinch because you've been there before. And so we've seen this happen over and over and over again. And so I don't blame him for flinching or for overreacting or jumping out there a little too soon. It's happened so many times. And so he came back afterwards, and he, he cleaned it up a little bit. But I don't blame him for flinching because we've seen this happen so many times. And listen, thank God Chauvin got convicted and he went to jail. That was the right verdict there. But even with that, we still have I was very now. outspoken against what happened to George Floyd, in case you didn't know. Yes, no, you, no, no, you were, and, 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 I, and I commend you for that. But there's a lot of people that are on our side, that's on the right, that are pro-Trump, that are Republicans that really want to see people come into the, uh, other people from many minorities and races come into the uh, fold with us here. But then there's other individuals that are very antagonistic, and it makes it very difficult. All right, quick break. We'll come back more with Kareem Lanier and Pastor Daryl Scott on the other side. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Newt Gingrich at the top of the hour. Then your calls. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on Fox as we continue. And as we continue, Kareem Lanier and Pastor Daryl Scott. Kareem, I'll let you have the floor. I, I, I'm going to give you because you you really, really, I, I cannot believe you're pleading the fifth today. And you, you can't get a pass on that. But I'll let you finish. You give your thoughts. What is your solution? What did the cop, what should the cop have done here? The cop should have shot her in the, in the leg, in the butt, in the shoulder, somewhere 
where you can actually get her attention, the knife Man. goes away, and, wow. and the girl runs. So, so, so as soon as the cop shot the young lady, you notice the one young lady in the pink, she took off running. She was gone. You know. And listen, if you look at the reactions of the individuals, because I've watched this video a hundred times, the guy that came, he came out, he kicked the one young lady she tried to stab first. So I think it was uh, Makai's father. Kicked the young lady. He put his hands up over his face when he heard the gunshots. He thought he was being shot. He had no clue. It's that traumatic of an experience. Shoot her in the leg. Shoot her in the arm. Don't kill her in front I of would, I would argue, and, and I'll, I, I'm just, you know, you and I have gone round, round and round with this. And Pastor Scott, we'll give you the last word for this. We've done now, we've been talking about this for an hour. Is that likely would not have stopped the knife from being thrust into this girl's chest? It likely it would have responsored, it would have resulted with a, a stabbing and, li- and possibly and likely even a stabbing death. Uh, I, will, I will say this the only thing to me that makes this. The national um, story that it is, and that causes a lot of attention, is because it's white cop, black person. Again, like Kareem said, if this was two white people, a white cop killed a white girl for being about to stab another white girl, I don't think it would have got the national attention. It would surely wouldn't have gotten a comment from the White House. I think with this social political climate that we have right now and this racial tension that the media is promulgating, you know, with the, with the George uh, Floyd, Derek Chauvin verdict, this happened almost right on time for the media to run with something else to either fuel a narrative or to dis, dis, uh, disavow a narrative. Uh, on the one All right. Side, anyway, I got to let you both go. Again. On the other side, look at the white cop shot another black person. Uh, might have saved a, a young African-American woman's life. Uh, anyway, listen, lively discussion. You're both friends of the program. Pastor Daryl Scott, thank you. Kareem Lanier, uh, next time you try to choke me out, that's it. It's game on. <laughs> I'm ready right now. I'm ready right now. I'm not. You know what? I'm ready for a nap. I need a nap after this hour. Uh, anyway, appreciate you both. 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free number. New Gingrich, top of the next hour. And I promise your calls in our final hour straight ahead. stop here and this takes acknowledging and confronting head-on systemic racism and the racial disparities that exist in policing and in our criminal justice system more broadly the climate crisis is a crisis born of injustice and it is a crisis born of the pursuit of profit at any and all human and ecological cost district of columbia statehood is in my dna freedom is back in style welcome the revolution. Yeah, we're coming to your city. Gonna play our guitars and sing you a country song. Sean Hannity. The new, the new Sean Hannity Show. More behind-the-scenes information on breaking news and more bold, inspired solutions for America. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. All right, News Roundup and Information Overload Hour, Sean Hannity Show. Uh, we're going to be joined in a second, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. Well, the radicalism that we've been warning you about is now the reality. 
And that is packing the court, D.C. statehood, Puerto Rico statehood to follow, ending the legislative filibuster. The new Green Deal, the Great Climate Summit, you know, lies being told emergency COVID relief is emergency COVID relief. And it's not. It's all down payments for the new Green Deal madness. Now Joe wants another trillion dollars. Then the infrastructure bill, that that's more money for child care and everything in the Green New Deal. But they're calling everything infrastructure. We're literally redefining words now. Um, here's Nancy Pelosi talking about, oh, D.C. statehood is in my DNA. And and this 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 is a momentous day for our democracy. I said yesterday when I was here, because Denny was talking about his history of how long he was going back. And this one decided how far they went back on this issue. And I said this. District of Columbia statehood is in my DNA. Everybody talks about how long they've been working on it. DNA. District of Columbia. Statehood. Um, statehood for the District of Columbia is about showing respect for our democracy, for the American people, and for our Constitution. That Constitution begins with our preamble, we the people, setting out our founders' vision of a government of, by, and for the people. Unbelievable. All right. All that we had predicted is now all becoming our nightmare. And this new Green Deal is being pushed. A great article by Victor Davis Hanson. And, and it's called How Much Room Do We Have Left? And he talks about our destructive educational system. He talks about losing our energy independence. He talks about, yeah, we have a 233-year tradition of the Electoral College, something many Democrats are now vocalizing they want to get rid of, and the Constitution's emphasis on individual states and establishing voting laws. You know, Joe Biden gets to call the new Georgia voting law, you know, Jim Crow 2.0. His state of Delaware, he never lifted a finger, is far more restrictive than Georgia's. But he gets away with it. He gets a pass from the media. The 176-year-old tradition of an election day, not election months, that's that's now gone. He talked about the 152-year-old nine-member Supreme Court. Democrats want to get rid of that. The 170-year-old Senate filibuster, they want to eliminate that. You know, the 62-year-old idea of a 50-state union, that, that's now all targeted by this new radical group of Democratic socialists on top of the Green New Deal and wealth redistribution, and massive debt, and no police, or defunding the police, and no law and order, and an educational system, in spite of spending more per capita per student than any other country in the industrialized world, we have the worst results. Well, welcome to the welcome to modern-day America. How long can we last? Anyway, Newt Gingrich joins us. Sir, how are you? I'm, I'm doing well, and I share most of your concerns. Uh, I think we are sort of pushing our luck. And, and the last few days have given us so many examples of how anti-American the Biden administration is and how destructive uh, they are going to be. Uh, and I think that uh, we're just seeing the beginning of this. But I also think that they're going to have a tremendous national backlash uh, because the things they're doing are going to be so unpopular and the kind of results are going to be so destructive. You know, it's it's I never thought in our lifetime, Democrats for years, we, we knew that they were they, they slanted solidly left and leaned socialist. But there was never a, a point in time where there was so openly pushing and advancing. Well, one, socialism and two, uh, putting in in jeopardy the constitutional foundational institutions 
that has served us pretty well as a country. Well, I think from, from their perspective, they really are radical. They really want to replace America with a very different country. And they really do believe that, that this is their opening, that they watched them, you know, they watched Clinton blow it, uh, and Republicans came roaring back two years after his election. They watched Obama blow it, and Republicans came roaring back two years later. And they're looking out there at a very, very narrow House majority, and they're realizing the odds are much better than even that Kevin McCarthy's the next Speaker of the House, and that that will stop every single radical idea they've got. So... I think they're on a fourth march to try to see how much they can shove through uh, before the the country just blows up. But but they're also doing stuff. I mean, if you, if you watched the Biden Harris speeches the other night after the jury came in, they could have been given uh, candidly by by the Chinese communist propagandists. I mean, these were amazingly anti-American speeches, and it was followed up yesterday by Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, who tweeted an extraordinary anti-American tweet that literally could have been given uh, by the Chinese communists at the meeting they had in Anchorage. So, you, so every time you turn around, you're being reminded that, that on every front, I mean, the reaction to the policeman who shot the young lady who was, who was about to stab and potentially kill another young woman, uh, the immediate White House reaction was, this must be police brutality, and proof of systemic racism, even though it was a young black woman whose life was being saved by the policeman. And you have to ask, you know, what, what would they have done? Waited for her to be killed? Uh, but they instantly had a reaction. I just had a guest on that said, well, maybe we should teach cops to shoot people in the legs. That wouldn't have stopped that knife. Well, not just that. It's very hard to, tr- to train people well enough that they're, that they're going to go out there and try to shoot you in the arm or shoot you in the leg. That happens in movies. And it doesn't happen in real life. And by the way, if they shoot at your arm or your leg and they miss, one of the bystanders all of a sudden gets killed. So uh, there's a profound reason for the way that they're trained to shoot. Uh, and the deeper question is this. You're a policeman. You see a young woman with a knife, and she's clearly about to, to stick it in the other woman. You've just had south of there uh, in uh, Cincinnati, uh, a 13-year-old woman uh, kill another 13-year-old woman with a knife. Uh, that happened a couple days ago. And so are you thinking to yourself, do I do nothing and this innocent young girl gets killed, or do I intervene? And if you're going to intervene, there's a very high risk, particularly if, if the woman refuses to stop. There's a very high risk you're going to have to shoot her. And so, but the thing that was striking to me was how quickly the Biden White House decided that they knew what had happened in Columbus, that it was all about systemic racism. You know, I mean, a white policeman who is saving a black teenager, um, you would think is something that they would praise, not something they would attack. I, and, and look, the skill level for that shot, those shots, was at, a, at the highest level. It really was. And I don't think people even fully, completely can comprehend that. You know, this is also coming from a Joe Biden. If you remember the debate with Kamala Harris, she called them out on this. And remember, he, he praised the former Klansman that filibustered the 64 Civil Rights Act and 65 Voting Rights Act, Robert Byrd, former Klansman, and then partnered with Byrd to stop the integration of our schools. And, and because he didn't want our schools to be, Joe Biden's words, racial jungles. 
Uh, he's the well, one that used the term predator and authored the 94 crime bill that disproportionately penalized uh, minorities in America. By the way, remember that years earlier, he also co-sponsored with Jesse Helms an anti-busing bill. I mean, but, 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 but it's very clear, though, that Biden has now, to, I mean, to the degree that he knows what he's doing, uh, he has gone to the hard left. And, and he is now a radical. I mean, his proposal, for example, on Earth Day to come out and say, you know, we're, we're going to reduce uh, carbon in the environment by 50 percent um, in the next few years. I'm sure that Putin and uh, Xi Jinping were staring at him like he was crazy. Uh, the Chinese don't even begin to level off until 2030. They continue to increase the amount until 2030. The Russians have no interest in any of this stuff. Uh, this is part of why President Trump withdrew from the Paris Accords, because they were, they were killing American jobs while achieving nothing for uh, the, the actual improvement of the earth. We've had the best reduction in uh, pollution with the greatest increase in quality of clean air of any country in the world. And we've done it while economically growing because we use science and technology and entrepreneurship. These other countries just, you know, they go to the press event, they give big promises, and they know that none of them are real. They think they're a joke. You know, I'm watching all of this. What is the long-term prospect of this? I agree with you. Now, we're going to learn a lot in the election of, of 2022 because, uh, and I, I do believe that the Republicans, if they, if they are out there and are smart and articulate and if they go with the make america great again agenda which i have now said to you many times in less than a minute you know everything that i say i won't repeat myself if they adopt that make america great again america first agenda uh, i believe they'll take back the house and then we're going to watch the senate because if you want to talk about a bellwether for 2024 uh, a Senate seat is open in Florida, Marco Rubio's seat, Georgia. Looks like Herschel Walker is going to get in. Uh, we have one in North Carolina, maybe Laura Trump there. I don't know. Sununu in New Hampshire. We're going to watch that very closely. Then you've got Ohio. I don't know who's running there. Ron Johnson likely is going to run again in Wisconsin. And then Arizona. It doesn't get to be any more of a bellwether than 2022 in my mind. That's right. And I, and I think, look, I think that there's a very high likelihood that uh, you're going to see a sweep election. In 94, uh, we swept everything. In 2010, we swept everything. And the reason is, you know, people look at this stuff, they realize it's crazy. Uh, Biden is, is uh, I think, right on the edge of becoming the new Jimmy Carter, combining total incompetence with a hard left ideology. Uh, and Carter just collapsed uh, because the country looked up and said, none of this stuff works. I think the challenge for Republicans is twofold. One, as you pointed out, is to have a positive agenda that people can look at and say, yes, that will make my life better. And the other is to take apart the ideology of the left and get people to understand for the next two generations that these people are dangerous. They don't know they, what they want to do will kill the country. Uh, I mean, you, you watch Biden's proposal, which, which just came out, to radically raise the capital gains tax uh, is going to crush the markets. I mean, Biden is working overtime between what he's doing on energy, what he's doing in terms of the atmosphere, what he's doing in terms of regulations. Uh, he's, do he's working overtime to kill the economy. And uh, I think it's going to be very, very interesting to watch and then have the Democrats 
between the rise in crime and the collapse of the economy have the Democrats bewildered because they can't believe that it's their ideology which is doing this. But the truth is, it is their ideology which has led to a radical increase in crime. It's their ideology which is going to crush the stock market. Uh, and I think people uh, ought to be very careful and realize how much uh, their their prosperity is at risk uh, with Biden in charge. All right, quick break. More with former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, 800-941-SEAN, our number. Your calls in the final half hour today. We have an awesome Hannity, 9 Eastern, Fox News. We'll continue. When fake news gives you lies, Hannity supplies the truth. Sean Hannity is on right now. As we continue, former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich is with us. You brought this up when we when we last were together, when we last had you on, the idea, you know, how come, you know, Marjorie, what's her name, Taylor Green, the new congresswoman, says things when she's not even a congresswoman, you know, then apologizes for them, meets with Kevin McCarthy, is stripped of her committee assignments, and then you have the squad leaders, and I, I'm arguing that they really control the Democratic Party. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and Joe Biden are deathly afraid of AOC, Congresswoman Omar, Congresswoman Tlaib, and, and Presley and others. And I, But there are never any consequences for their radicalism, you know, dismantling the, the police or supporting the comments of Maxine Waters, uh, the threat that I, I viewed it as a threat before the, the jury was even sequestered. Your thoughts? Well, first of all, I was very pleased that Kevin McCarthy moved a privilege resolution that would have uh, stripped uh, Waters of her chairmanship. Uh, every Democrat voted to back Waters, and I think a lot of them are going to have a very hard time explaining that vote back home as the murder rate keeps going up and, and carjacking keeps going up. And we have the problems we're going to have with crime, which are going to be dramatic and painful. And every Democrat in the House voted to protect Maxine Waters, despite what she had said, and the fact that she clearly, uh, I think, as the judge pointed out, was acting with total irresponsibility uh, in uh, in Minnesota. But in addition, in addition to that, I've also said that they should take uh, Rashida Tlaib's uh, committee assignments away, because if you look at what she said about abolishing police and closing all the prisons, well, if you go to Michigan, for example. You would put thousands and thousands of murderers, rapists, armed robbers, and carjackers back on the street. At the same time, you're eliminating the police who would have protected you from them. I mean, what do these people think is going to happen? Uh, and and you, you, just, you know that this is a formula uh, for, for a terrible disaster. It's a formula for seven-year-olds to get killed trying to go to McDonald's, which happened last week. Terrible. Uh, it's a formula for it's we, a formula. The the rise they're seeing in carjacking is astonishing. The and murder it's rates younger people. Yeah, I'm only because of the constraints of time. I apologize. The murder rates in every city now up forty percent, much higher in cities that are defunding the police. 
Uh, former Speaker of the House, New King Rich. Always love having you uh, on the program. Thanks for being with us. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking a lot about the specifics that Republicans must be for an alternative to this radical socialism. Quick break. Your call's on the other side. I promise straight to the phones. 800-941-SHAWN, our number. solutions for america this is the sean hannity show all right 25 till the top of the hour as always thank you for being with us uh, all right a lot of you've been very patient today we didn't expect to go the full hour with pastor scott and uh, kareem lanier um but i think it's an important discussion one thing that i i need to note here and it's very important and i, I mentioned it earlier today you know the girl that was almost stabbed by makia bryant she thanked the police she knew her life was in jeopardy in that moment. And, and I'm not sure why they suspended him. We now have the videotape. You know, one thing we, we had advocated for years, of uh, these, these cameras on, the, on police officers, body camps and car camps. And now, now we're seeing a lot more, but in a, in, we're, we're learning the good and the bad. When cops have to make splits, we're learning a lot about policing. I always love those shows, Cops and... What was the show, Live PD, that Dan Abrams did? I love those shows. Love them. I, mean, I can't believe the work that these guys do every day. It's so dangerous, too. Anyway, to our phones uh, we go. We say hi. Uh, Marty's first in Pennsylvania. Marty, glad you called. Says you're a former retired state trooper. Thank you for your service, sir. All right, and thank you, Sean. Thank you for taking my call. You do great work, and I so appreciate uh, everyone at Fox getting the word out and, and being fair. Uh, in all your reporting. And let me just say also, Sean, that that my opinion doesn't necessarily reflect that of the Pennsylvania State Police. Um, So I just I don't want to generalize that this is how the state police feel. Twenty five years I've been retired, eight years. um, And I got to say that that the rhetoric that's brought up right now is an insult to the many hardworking police officers, men and women, all races. Uh, It's an insult to what they do. And it really is an insult to our good communities throughout this entire great United States. Uh, the exchange between Kareem and the pastor, shoot a leg, shoot an arm, we're trained to stop the action by the fastest means. We have many tools on our gun belts, whether that's verbally, whether it's by, our, by hand-to-hand, whether it's a taser, a baton, um, but it's got to stop the action immediately. And, that's I, what, and, and that was the argument that we were having with Kareem earlier. And by the way, he's a friend of the show. We like Kareem. Pastor Scott's a very close friend of mine. And, uh, you know, I think pleading the 50 is copping out. And he said, no, this is conceptualized. It's not. There's a no. reason that a cop shoots center mass. You would do a better job explaining it than I would um, because you were trained in this. You know, the idea that you're going to shoot somebody's leg uh that's not going to stop that action and the thrust of that knife in that moment, in my opinion. No, no and, and you're absolutely right. We're trained not to, to shoot at arms or legs. We don't shoot to maim. We do not shoot to kill. We shoot to simply stop the action, stop the threat. 
right then and there. And we can go on and on about this, but there were other points that I really wanted to talk about, too. And, 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 and we go back to Floyd and Siobhan, all right? Very tragic. A man died, okay? A man died. Doesn't have to be a black man. Doesn't have to be a minority man. But a man died while in police custody. When you're taken into custody, you are entrusted to the care of that police officer. Derek Chavon failed to do that. And he should be held accountable. And by all means, he was. It was left up to a jury of his peers, and he was held accountable. All right? But the fact that you stick race into this and, and use the word systemic racism, like there's a system. You have a checklist every day. You know, were you racist today? Did you try to be racist? You know, you know, you had to be racist three out of ten times that you, that you interacted with people. When you show up on scene, like you don't know what the makeup of these people are going to be. And these people, again, not trying to generalize, but the people you're going to deal with, okay? And you have to make that split-second decision. And there's no systematic double standard that, well, if they are of this race— you have to do this. And if they are that race or of this or that gender, you have a separate set of rules. And it does not work that way. And the rhetoric that goes on is just fueling this hate. And when Nancy Pelosi goes on there and says that George Floyd sacrificed his life, he didn't sacrifice his life. He was a victim. And in this case, it was a police officer was held accountable for his death. George Floyd didn't run into a, into a hail of gunfire to save somebody. He didn't run into a burning building to save anybody. He did nothing necessarily heroic by those standards that he sacrificed anything. But a man died. So and- I, 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 you know, look, you're, you're explaining something that a lot of people, we, we instinctively know, people that, that support the police. I always talk about the 99%, but there is the 1%. They do exist. I, I, most people find racism ugly, repugnant, and evil. Most people. Yeah, but absolutely. there are racists. There are ignorant there, people. There are. And there are. And, and there, are bad, there, are. And there's bad, there are good and bad in every profession. But I'm going to get to some other calls. But, Marty, uh, thank you for your service. You're a state trooper for all those years. I hope you're enjoying your retirement. And well, uh, I, am. I, I am. And I just, I, I just want your listeners to know that, by and large, and you, you hit it spot on, the people know the police are good. They want to protect and serve. But yeah. you're, putting, you're putting them out there to protect you, and then you're not going to have their back when they take action. And it is. The, and and I'll tell ways. you this. My last comment to you, and I appreciate the call, is that if they take away indemnification for police, in other words, that everybody that a police officer arrests can then sue that police officer, and the police officer would then have to be responsible for the financial burden of paying for a lawyer, it's over. Nobody can be a cop because people will learn very quickly, well, I'm just going to sue the cop. And then the cops won't, will not be able to arrest anybody. It's over them. Natalie, Long Island, New York. Natalie, glad you called. Thank you for being with us. Hi, Sean. I wanted to um, talk about this whole issue of how much we hear that cops are racist, and this is a whole issue of racism between cops and the black and minority community, and how false that is. Um, it, I'm so frustrated by it. And uh, the, the thing I don't understand is how so many people say, we have, somebody has to do something about that. The president has to do something about that. All of our elected officials. But racism, you will have 
good and bad people, as you said, in all walks of life. Racism is something that is in the soul. It is a human, it is part of a human condition. You can't legislate that out. You can't tell somebody, stop being that way. That's a part of the human condition. Unfortunately, some people choose that. You cannot have somebody say, well, when I run for office, I'm going to fix that, the racism. It doesn't work that way. There's racist people, there's good people. And, uh, you know, one thing I don't understand, if we're going to put so much attention on all of these videos of officers that have had to take the lives of others not because they wanted to, why are we not giving the same amount of time to videos such as the officer who fully respectfully pulled over a man in New Mexico, and he was respectful to that man for the whole entire uh, duration of that pullover. And if anybody watches that video, it will break your heart. That man treated that subject perfectly fine, and the man gunned him down in cold blood. We need to have an equal time here. And, and we cannot have the conversation if people are going to refuse to answer questions. It's it's to me it is it's sad that you can't have the conversation. Mm-hmm. How many how many you know I I'm sorry but we were way ahead of the curve on this and mm-hmm. it's not a pat on our back. I'm not saying it for that reason. I'm just pointing out, you know, why is it that we seem to only hear about instances that fit a particular political narrative when yes, every single weekend in every single city especially these big cities run by liberal democrats for decades you got uh, you got your sh- how many got shot count how many were shot and killed count mm-hmm. nobody knows the names or here's the names of the 103 as of That's a couple right. of days ago police officers killed in the line of duty with gunshots this year That's nobody right. knows their names no you know, they don't they don't get equal time, and I'm going to tell you I wasn't going to go there, but my son is a police officer. He's a New York City police officer, and when he announced to me and my husband that he wanted to be a cop, the conversation he had with me was, Mom, are you disappointed in me because I want to become a, po- a police officer? And I, what a lump in my throat. No, I said, I'm honored. I'm humbled. I'm proud of you. But what I have to be afraid of, I said to him, unfortunately, I should be more afraid for your life, but I'm not. I'm more afraid that your livelihood could be taken from you, that you could be put through hell for doing your job. You could be sued. You could be ruined. Because that's the tenor it, of it, It's especially now it's getting, it's getting almost untenable. Anyway, I appreciate your kind words. Praying for your son. I mean, look at the way cops in New York are now treated. They get, you know, buckets of uh, huge buckets of water poured on them. They get their car. They get abused with bullhorns. They get called pig. Get the F out of our neighborhood, et cetera, et cetera. That's happening every day. A lot of good that defunding thing of the police, cutting the police a billion dollars in New York City did. A lot of good the no bail insanity in New York is doing. Everybody's leaving in droves. Uh, Gilbert is next in the uh, ever-so-peaceful city of Chicago. How are you, sir? I'm good, Mr. Hannity. Thank you so much for taking my call this afternoon. Thank you. So I just wanted to say that, you know, pursuant to the, the recent opinion that came from the Derek Chauvin case, you know, here in Illinois, we have offic- officially, we're getting rid of cash bond. The, there's talks of getting rid of qualified immunity for police officers. And I think the state of Illinois is going to be one of the first states in the whole union spearheading uh, the attack on the thin blue line that keeps civilized society safe from criminals. 
Well, they've already done this in New York. The, the immunity you're talking about is the indemnification if police officers get sued, if they have to be, if they're financially on the hook and they have to pay for their own attorneys, they, they won't, they don't make enough money to hire these attorneys. And Absolutely. there'll be a lawsuit. Every person that's arrested will sue. Absolutely. And I, I think it's terrible. Um, needless well, to no, say, it'll be, it, no, it will be untenable. It will, it, I guarantee you, you'll see mass resignations and you will, nobody will become a cop because nobody's going to be able to afford it. Look, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate, and I wasn't so fortunate early in my life. I never thought I'd have to have as many lawyers as I have to have. You know, as my lawyer says to me every, every once in a while, reminds me, uh, it's the cost of doing business. I'm like, really? It's a pretty high cost. And I understand it. I'm, I'm grateful that I can afford it, but I shouldn't have to. And, and cops cannot afford these lawyers. Cops are called to serve and protect you got to pay for a lawyer with every person that you arrest. It's over. You got to leave that profession. You can't do that job anymore. Absolutely. And you know, just just recently, we had a shooting of a a thirteen year old armed. He had a firearm uh, in the city of Chicago here, and it created a whole bunch of civil unrest. And I do believe that what is happening, the attack on our police officers, it it, it just seems like it's so much of a coincidence that the the Democrats they want to pack the Supreme Court at the same time. And what I'm getting at is the, the court of last resort doesn't just, you know, say decisions about the Bill of Rights. They also hand out decisions like Tennessee versus Gardner, where they said a police officer could use deadly force to prevent a, a fleeing felon. And if the Democrats get the ability to add these four additional justices, we're looking at a, a complete turn on, on everything on, it, on its head. They're going to turn the court into a politicized weapon. And, and it will be, let me just echo your remarks. It would be an unmitigated disaster for the country. I, I referred to Victor Davis Hanson's article earlier. Um, it would be a disaster. And I, I honestly, I, I, it will not end well for the country. Gilbert, appreciate it. Uh, we have time for Christine in Ohio. Hey, Christine, about 90 seconds are all yours. How are you? Okay. Hi, Sean. Thank you for having me on. Thank hey, you. Two things. I, I heard you on Tuesday, right before the verdict come down, talk to the girl who wouldn't answer the question, is it wrong to throw things at the police? And I will say, absolutely, yes, it is wrong. And, you know, it's crazy how they want to do it, have both ways. Um, same with your guy you had on uh, earlier the, with the reverend. I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. Could you, could you um, imagine, uh, though, rocks, bottles, bricks, Molotov cocktails, 3,000 injured cops? Why is it so hard to just say that's wrong? Those cops didn't yeah. do anything wrong. They're doing their job. That's right. I have friends that are police officers. And I have a cousin that's a police officer. And, you know, I, I would hate to think that that's you know, that that could happen to them. And the second thing is, is I would hate to think that they have to hesitate before deciding whether to shoot or not. It's, you know, is the situation, well, what should I do? You know, and by that time, either they're dead or the person that's, you know, against the car is. Well, I appreciate you. Listen, I'm just going to say this. We're at a, we're at a crossroads as a country. And here's my simple advice, and I'll, I'll start with you, Christine. I want to deputize every one of us out there, every one of you hearing me now, and understand that we're all spokes in a wheel, and understand that the future of this country is hanging in the balance, literally, and what kind of country we're going to be. 2022 matters. you got to start paying attention now. 
we don't have a lot of time. These state laws on elections, we need integrity, confidence on our election system, and we need to elect people that represent the values that has always made America great. We'll continue. Thank you. Focused on finding solutions to today's biggest problems. This is The Hannity Show. John Hannity. things up for today. Hannity tonight, Satan DVR, 9 Eastern, Fox News, uh, as we're joined by Candace Owens, Dana Lash, Dan Bongino, Leo Terrell, Larry Elder. Uh, we'll have our investigation into the border, and we'll have the Columbus Police Union head joining us as well as Mike Pompeo. 9 Eastern, news you won't get from the mob. Hannity, Fox News, see you tonight. Thank you for being with us. As always, you make it possible. Back here tomorrow. <laughs>